The following program is presented by the HTM Podcast Network. Fuck you. Those words mean a great deal to us. They help us express just how we as a company see things differently. There are a lot of startup companies on Kickstarter, but after today, I think you'll agree that Washington Redskins is the most exciting. As you know, the Redskins have been on the forefront of Kickstarter as a company that is always finding new and exciting ways to tell people to go fuck themselves. And now, our company is thrilled to show you all the latest innovations we've come up with. To begin with, we have moved the couch from the left side of the office to the right side. But we didn't stop there. We also added a new rug that goes better with our office drapes. And probably most exciting of all, we have actually updated the company from the inside out. We received a lot of pressure from certain communities to change our Redskins logo. As a company, we want to be firm, but we also want to be flexible. And so we thought if we have to change our logo, it should be more in step with today's times, but still define us as the leading Kickstarter company. What we came up with is the new company logo that I think you'll all agree is very exciting. Now when people hear the name Redskins, they will immediately think titties and baths. It's just a bold new way that we can say we don't fucking care. Go Redskins! Welcome to another episode of HTM Tech, brought to you by the HTM Podcast Network, also in association with Microplay in Brantford, Ontario, Canada. You can find us on Facebook and Twitter by searching at the HTM Tech Pod. To listen to the podcast, you can find us on Podbean, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts. As always, I'm Big Joe. And I'm Money Mike. All right, Mike, another week has come and gone in the world of technology. But before we get started, as you heard in our intro, a little South Park for you there with... Uh, Wanted to make reference to if you guys that listened to the most recent episode of HTM Sports, you know, they talk about obviously right now there's a lot of football conversation uh, going on there, and the, the the kids starting their own Go, GoFundMe, and the original name is something it's it's a little too far out there, but then they found out that the Washington Redskins name was trademarked, so that they call themselves the Washington Redskins, and the, the whole idea was that they don't do anything. It, it was a, a double-pronged thing, where it's a jab at the GoFundMe, and then the jab at the Washington Redskins themselves. It was like, oh, you know, you, we, we don't, don't want you guys to use our name. You know, we were once a proud people. This is making... <laughs> it's, just a, it, it's so far out there. It was great, but uh, if you guys want to go check out the episode, it's, uh, it's, uh, it's quite good. Yes, yes. Love myself, Park. <laughs> Especially, it's one of those rare shows where the longer it's gone, it seems like it, the better that it's gotten, which is uh, very rare. Yeah, yeah. not to go on a tangent, but the unfortunate part is that most people I talk to are mm-hmm. still in 90s South Park mode. They probably haven't watched yeah. the show since then and still think it's the same thing it used to be. And I, I tell them, no, it's it's a completely different animal. Um, just very, very up to date, very on point with the zeitgeist. Mm-hmm. Oh. So good. If you haven't watched South Park in a long time, you'll be dazzled. Yeah, I think a lot of people are still under the impression that's still the whole shtick of Kenny dying each episode. Oh my God, they killed Kenny, you bastards. Uh, they stopped doing that quite a while ago, actually. And like I said, very topical, very on point with uh, current events and whatnot. So if you haven't checked out any South Park lately, do yourself a favor and, and go and, and check it out. Okay, man. First topic for this week, we have a very interesting one, and this has to do with automated grocery stores and shopping centers and whatnot. And before we kind of get into the bulk of this topic, 
are starting to see this a little bit. I think especially uh, to kind of start us off with there, if you've been to a Walmart recently, all these Walmarts have gone with the, the self-checkouts. And, and it's been a very, the one here where I live, uh, they've gone to basically, I think, about 20 self-checkouts. And there's maybe about two or three um, checkouts that have an actual person cashier. And when you go to the self-checkout, uh, I know that the idea is to probably make things a little streamlined and quicker. But from my personal experience dealing with these things, is it's actually made things slower and it's more of a pain in the ass. Even when you're at the little kiosk and you're loading your stuff into your bag, each time it gets a little confusing. And if you happen to shuffle the bag around or if you lift the bag off there, it gets really confused. It stops and it goes, and we have to correct that before you put the next thing in. It just, it's, it's a process that feels like it was almost kind of half-baked when it came out. It's, it's not great, to say the very least. Yeah, very touchy, oversensitive. You, you kind of feel like... Uh... Like in some sense, you almost feel like a criminal. Like it's, it's yeah. scanning you, making sure you're behaving. You have that employee sitting off to the corner, kind of looking all awkward. Yeah. And that's the funny thing about this, and it's the theme about all this automation. It's that oh, we're not replacing jobs. You know, we're yeah. we're just giving employees different roles <laughs> and more yeah. mundane roles of of greeting customers and and solving problems and just kind of standing there looking awkward. Like you had mentioned that they usually have one or two of the um, employees there and whenever something kind of funky kind of happens like it's it's almost if you've worked at a place where there's a lot of supervisors you almost feel like you're you're like you're trying to do something and there's that creepy supervisor that's just watching you kind of out of the corner of their eye that that's what this feels like and then every time it's like oh do you need help with that sort of like i know how to check out at a freaking cash out just leave me alone let me get my stuff because so i can go like it's just it's turned into a really weird uh, thing and it's kind of turned me off of the shopping experience so. Yeah, and I think that's going to be the theme of what we're going to be talking about is this whole idea of surveillance and like the eye in the sky, oh, yeah. just watching everything you do, everything you purchase. It's 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 quite it's quite creepy to say the least. <clears throat> the very interesting thing that uh, that I saw was in our our, uh, our list of articles here with Linus Tech Tips. He went up to the Seattle, Washington Amazon Go store and bought a series of items. He bought a, uh, a couple of wraps, a Snapple, uh, maybe a sandwich and a box of tampons. Um, and it was very interesting looking at the inside of the store cameras all over the place. And, and I guess the, the, there's quite a bit going on here technology wise. Yeah, let's get into what an Amazon Go store is. This is a fairly new phenomenon. Started a couple of years ago in Seattle. There's about 18 stores, uh, 18 of these stores now spreading across Seattle, New York, San Francisco, and there was another another store as well. Uh, what are we? Oh, Chicago. Chicago, yeah. So th- this, the test pilot store was in Seattle, and this is based off of <clears throat> a concept that came out of Beijing with these mm-hmm. uh, cashierless self-automated kiosks so essentially it's all done through the amazon prime ecosystem through your app you you download the app you enter the store you shop and other than i think there might be um like a personnel that might do some type of troubleshooting if something goes wrong and there's like restockers that come in at the end of the night Mm -hmm. other than that it's like a humanless experience you go you grab your groceries Everything's based off of sensors, and like you said, Joe, cameras. tons of cameras that that watch how you move, watch where you are in the store, that can track what you're taking off the shelves, what you're replacing, and then you purchase everything through the app, and then you exit the store. And well, wow, it, it's very strange. And the one big problem that I foresee 
with this whole thing. And it does look like there is quite a bit of camera coverage and sensor coverage in there. But I think during really, really busy peak shopping periods and seasons, when there's a lot of people in there, I think it might have a hard time kind of discerning, you know, just who from who and what from what. Right. And wasn't the whole idea of this to, you know, basically give you more time to avoid the whole idea of the lineups, waiting in line, all the frustration. But yet, what do we see out front of the test pilot store? A long lineup of people waiting to get in. And to your point, Joe, I think the only realistic feasible way to do this in its infancy is to have maybe one, maybe two people at most in the store at once to not confuse the whole Mm -hmm. system. Because like I said, when you get too many people replacing things, uh, restocking, shelving stocks, I can see a lot of problems happening, happening, especially when there's this honor system. And that's one of the things that Linus d- did test out. What could happen if you technically, quote unquote, steal an item? <laughs> yeah. And I think what he did was that he took the tampons that he bought and put them onto, I think, a beer shelf or something. Yeah. And took them off. And it, the shopping cart wasn't necessarily registering it when he left the store. Yep. Uh, he was actually allowed to delete the tampons from his cart because they hadn't been accounted for. <laughs> Uh, but it's essentially essentially an honor system right so you can either be honest and say okay well i actually did take these tampons or you can say oh no i I didn't and just get rid of this from this cart but i i can see where they're going with this how that could have that could essentially work to curb theft because they, they basically said okay fine they may let it go if it's an accident but they see repeat offenses you constantly deleting things from your shopping cart on a regular basis, they're going to start to clue in and you can only imagine the ramifications if this is tied into Amazon prime and, and essentially if you have your banking linked to it, there there could be a lot beyond this. The idea that I I had kind of surrounding this, and I don't know if anybody's actually done this, but my idea, it's kind of somewhere in the middle of still needing people, but still embracing a little bit of technology. And my idea was, was, and like I said, I don't think anybody's thought of this, is basically you would have your shopping cart, okay? Just follow me on this one. And you would have the the top of the cart, say, lined with uh, some type of sensor or something that that would pick up or scan what it is. And then as you're putting your items into your cart, then it would, it would just kind of scan and total things up. And then once you get to the front of the store, then it would just make cashing out a little bit quicker. They would, you know, the, the attendant would uh, maybe bag your stuff or, or whatnot. And it, I think it, it's something kind of right in the middle where we're still using some, some technology to help us save some time and the benefits there, but we're not totally cutting out the human element at the other end. Yeah, and uh, that is a great idea. And right? unfortunately, Sobey's kind of beat into the punch on that Damn one. That, they've already so, been experimenting with that. Darn it. Million dollar idea. Million, out the, the way. Yeah, they've been actually, they're the first. Uh, Sobey's in Canada is yeah. experimenting with these smart shopping carts yep. that include cameras and scales. Yep. So essentially, it's supposed to help speed up the process and also, I think, try to minimize discrepancies between when you grab something off the shelf, you know, that situation when you go to the till and something was supposed to be on sale, but the cashier doesn't recognize it as such. And what do you do in that situation? Do you get like a full refund or do you get the product for free? So this is again, something in its infancy they're, they're trying. And so I guess what this relates to is the first article I showed you when we were initially talking about this topic, this was on Bloomberg, December 3rd, Amazon came for supermarkets and grocers are fighting back with robots. Actually, sorry, that's the wrong title. It's called Robots in Aisle 2. Supermarket survival means matching Amazon. So, of course, you know, the major brick-and-mortar retailers are recognizing the threat of Amazon Go and of automation and are fighting back with their own tactics. So did you uh, get a chance to read this article, Joe? I think I may have missed that one, but uh, go ahead and uh, let us know. 
so we'll go over some of the yeah. some of the things that they're talking about. Okay. So um, one of the things that they're using through a company called Eversight is the whole idea of smart everyday pricing. So mm. the idea of having a new system where traditionally brick and mortar grocery stores would update their prices on a weekly basis. Yep. Now they're going to have a new digital system that it's going to allow pricing to respond almost on a daily basis based on getting all this data from across the internet of all the different competitors mm. and trying to stay competitive that way. What they're saying is that this is boosted sales and profits, but only marginally because at the end of the day, Joe, the old system would allow grocers to squeeze as much profit as they could out of these items where I think, yeah, this could be a benefit to the consumer, but how's this going to affect overall retailers when they're forced to lower their prices, especially to combat Amazon, which is online yeah. only, not brick and mortar. Doesn't have the same overhead. <laughs> yeah, that's very true. I mean, there, and there's always the scenario too, like when you go into the grocery store and you, you get up to that checkout and then they've got to do a price check and it's like, okay, then you got to wait for the kid who maybe doesn't really know a whole lot. You know, hey, Timmy, can you go uh, check the price on us? What? You, you said go on break? You know, like you, you might run into that kind of scenario where you run into the kid who maybe doesn't really know what's going on. So automation or some computerization of that could possibly be helpful in that scenario. But... Yeah, at the same time, it, it, it is possibly cutting out a, a human job. Well, here's another one they're going to cut out. Inventory scanning robots. That's the other thing that mm. these grocers are starting to... Uh, Walmart's actually going to be the one to unveil this pretty... They're already starting to do this. Yeah. There's a company called Simbay Robotics that has the Tally robot. There's also Bossa Nova creating a similar shelf scanning droid. They're the ones actually making them for Walmart. And essentially, it's these robots that go up and down the aisles, scanning for inventory... Hmm. Um, I guess on the stats, they said that, okay, according to this article, food re food retailers lost $325 billion annually due to items being out of stock. Um, and essentially, yeah, these robots will manually will manually restock shelves and, and just kind of keep things up wow. and to, to increase those opportunities for shopping. I don't know. We, we can't, humans can't do this. They're, they're saying that this is too much of a job for humans to do. Again, just assuming that humans are too dumb and making excuses for why we need automation. Joe, come on. At the end of the day, this is just a way of cutting costs because like we just said in the previous point, if you're going to start having a price match with online competitors, something's got to go. At the same time, too, these automated robots, maybe you know when they're running at peak uh, levels and performance are probably fine and dandy, but let's say you have a major malfunction or some major issues. How much does it cost to maintain and re possibly replace or repair these these robots? That could Absolutely. potentially be more than what it would cost to actually have a human placing product on the shelf properly in the proper order in the right spot. You know, you're, you're relying on technology, and as we know, technology is great when it's working. To 100%, but that's not always the case. There's bugs, there's issues, there's viruses, there's a, you know, outside intervention from another human being. I mean, there's just a lot of other things that can happen there as opposed to just having a human taking product A and putting on shelf B. 100%, Joe. So. And then imagine, take your, what you just said and then scale that times 100 mm -hmm. into the back of the store now. They're talking about automated warehouses mm -hmm. and they already have these up and running where now instead of having humans going through all this inventory, they just have a big grid. Yep. It's like, it's, I think it's like the, the first one they were talking about in this video I saw on YouTube was in uh, the UK. I think it was about three to five times the size of a soccer field mm -hmm. or a football pitch as they, as they call it over there. Yep. And yeah, so you a big grid with all these little robots that go from bin to bin, just basically getting inventory, fulfilling orders. They call this micro fulfillment and these centers are called MFCs, micro fulfillment centers. 
So like I said, they work all on the grid and they're powered currently by 4G technology. Like we said before, with 5G technology, why? So that machines can interact with each other. It's the whole idea of self-driving cars so they don't crash into each other. It's this heavy radiation, heavy wireless technology that's going to power all this. But like you said, Joe, one machine can already imply a lot of costs when things go wrong. Imagine a warehouse full of these machines that are designed to fulfill online orders in this. Yes, you got a point there. Going along with this, and I will make another South Park reference when I get to the point here, I think it's going to be one of those things where, very much like the self-driving vehicle, we're going to have to either have all people or all machines. Let's say you start mixing things up and you have a certain part of the store that's being stocked and it's being scanned by machines going a predetermined pass or whatnot, and let's say you have an actual physical employee crossing that path, is that machine going to know to stop or is it just going to restart some fatalities because as i had mentioned on a recent episode of south park i believe it was a season or two ago that this was actually the the storyline for one of the one of the episodes where there's an, an amazon fulfillment center when the employees got killed by by robot he didn't get killed he got compacted into an amazon box and he would only live unless somebody opened up the box and all his parts would come spewing out but uh but yeah, it, it's one of those things where going partially automated but still having some humans there, you have the potential for problems on and many different the levels. The, the workers are protesting. They're saying, "What? You're replacing?" They're already pro- protesting these these uh, these self checkout kiosks at Walmart and yeah. Sobeys and all these places. They're saying these are my job replacers. And then of course the retailers are arguing, "No, no, no!" Like I said before, oh, we're not replacing your job. We're just shifting it elsewhere. Right. So now you're going to be greeting customers and you're going to be problem solving we're seeing this in the banking industry joe okay already the the writings on the wall that teller traditional bank tellers are going the way the dodo because everyone's going online right now to pay their bills or to go to atms to get cash and and having worked in the finance industry i'm not going to mention who i work for but even my role is slowly being shifted to going out in the lobby with an ipad and greeting customers and getting them signed on for online for the Mm -hmm. services that replace my job. But what does my job then become? Well, it becomes a problem solver, becomes a complaints handler. So then you can imagine how, how much more mundane and stressful your job could become when all you do is you feel like wall decoration and um, uh, basically a a urinal for people to piss in whenever they feel pissed off. That's essentially what it becomes. Joe, as this technology starts to increase, I think you hit the nail on the head. It's going to be one or the other. Yeah. Right now they're saying, yes, you need humans. To inside, and we see that there's human beings inside of these these um, these micro-fulfillment centers that have to oversee everything. But at some point, AI is going to replace that. And when 5G comes in, it's going to be even more faster, more seamless. They, they are preparing us for, for our post-human future joe that this is it like they're 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 not telling us specifically it's happening now but you can see the writing on the wall and i I did share this other article i'm not sure if you got a chance to see it but this is out of the atlantic we're talking like a major major globalist publication this was actually back in february 2017 an article called the post-human world Mm -hmm. where this futurist historian yuval harari wrote this book homo deus talking about how eventually humans will focus on achieving immortality and permanent happiness in other words turning ourselves into gods through the end of work to gods the end of turning ourselves into gods and i talked about this remember how i talked about transhumanism the whole idea with merging with ai and becoming a god 
all this stuff, right? So it talks about the end of work. We're not going to work anymore. The end of liberal individualism, of merging with machine and becoming one with the machine, and the end of humanity altogether. Because his argument is that, well, we, we're, we've become so dumbed down and lazy now that we're just going to accept this. So, I don't know, Joe, it's it's... When I, when I look at the modern worker, see, I told you, I do couriers. So I go yeah. to a lot of different establishments and, and meet with a lot of different customer service reps. I, I'm going to be honest, Joe. A lot of people just don't understand the value of work anymore. No, I understand. Customer service yep. has gone out the window. What do you think? And what's interesting, too, you, you had mentioned uh, with, with the banks, and I was actually, I went into my my bank the other day, and both their uh, their ATMs, their, their automated uh, tellers were, were, were down uh, currently. And... I was I was kind of waiting and then this younger person kind of walked in and saw that the ATMs and it's like they they, they walked in and like they, they were just like what 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 do I do you know they they, they was walked the bank in open oh the bank was open but just because they, like the ATMs were, were were down like they're walking in and it's like what what, what, what do I do now they, they you mean just, I have to talk to somebody oh uh, what is that yeah what, where's my keyboard how do I communicate without a keyboard. Oh. And that brings up the uh, the other issue that we've already mentioned too, where, where it's a, with some of these people that they're they're using technology and everything so much that that when it comes to actually physical interaction with other people, it's like a foreign concept, and we're starting to see it a lot more. And and, and at this at this bank, we definitely saw it where it's without the technology, they don't know what to do. And it's like oh, 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 I have to talk to a person. Like, it, it, and it's then embarrassing. The, on the other side, how you got the whole idea of the workers automating themselves. You know, it's like like I said, we're we're basically beginning giving the give the tools to essentially disintegrate our own necessity within these workplaces. Hmm. But like I said, Joe, we're, in some ways we're doing it to ourselves as a society. You yeah. know, I, I I hate to see it. Like there's in the younger generations. Yes, I don't want to sound like the old codger, but yeah, I do see it a lot now, Joe. Where yep. there's this entitlement. The you go go to your average McDonald's, and how many people are even smiling or or not paying attention to you, yeah. or even like want to be there? And I get it. It's not the greatest job in the world. You're a damn teenager, yeah. okay? You're, you're this is supposed to be pocket money, but you're but I don't know. Maybe maybe it's through the conditioning that we all have to have something higher and above mm-hmm. our own jobs that will never be fulfilled. And and to be honest, in most corporate jobs, Joe, being being micromanaged. <laughs> How are you ever supposed to be fulfilled when you when you don't even feel like an individual anymore? And then out mm-hmm. on top of that, this machine that is taking what you used to do, and now you're forced to basically be a Walmart greeter now. Like how, yeah. how much fulfillment are you going to get at your job? So you have <sighs> these people that that just can't perform anymore, that are just making it more viable for their managers to replace them with machines, especially when you have all these people who don't understand economics and what small business owners go through when they're constantly – protesting about fighting for a $15 minimum wage, <laughs> well, then you better justify it. Yeah. If you want that much money, you better better work your ass off and justify it because I don't see a lot of that anymore. Yeah, like you go into the McDonald's and you get the the kid coming up to the counter and it's almost like they have like a layer of grease on their on their face. It's like, dude, like are you are you bobbing for fries in the fryer? Like what's going on there? <laughs> you know, like like did just you look at them and it's like, um, I hope you didn't touch my food with your face. Gross, gross, Josiah. <laughs> oh my God. Um, I, I don't know. I, yeah. It's a. Uh, at the same time, Joe. So, do do, do we think this is inevitable? <sighs> this this turn towards automated grocery stores. Like, you, yeah. look at the. There, I remember how it came from Beijing, right? 
at least with Amazon, there's like a, it, it seems all nice, right? Like you have an honor system. There's nothing yeah. really nefarious about it. In Beijing, when you do this kind of stuff, you won't be allowed to leave the store. Mm-hmm. Like if you don't check out properly, you, you, like who, who knows what's going to happen in, in that kind of authoritarian yeah. regime. And, and I can almost see that coming eventually too. But really, at the end of the day, this is all about data collection surveillance. This is just another excuse. Like we said, these cameras are watching everything you, everything you do. They're mm-hmm. watching where you are in the store, how long you spend on a specific shelf, what you're buying. And now I read something else that a lot of brands are, a lot of retailers are starting to consider putting um, these new labels on food and other products that are health conscious that are going to warn you against obesity. So think about that now. Mm-hmm. When you take that concept and tie it into this whole mm. yeah. automated grocery store, can you not imagine eventually that these stores are going to be lecturing you on what you're actually mm-hmm. buying? Saying, oh, oh, it gets oh, ridiculous. oh. Yeah. It's like when you, you see the, like the gluten-free pet food, it's like really do the, do the, do the pets care if their f- uh, food is gluten-free or not? Like, you know, or, or just say uh, you, you go in there and you see like the, the organic bananas right next to the regular bananas. And guess what, folks? I've eaten both of them and they taste exactly the same. I feel sorry for all those vegan cats out there. That those are the ones that the really the real cats. victims. <laughs> yes. Yeah, because they yeah. made the decision to be vegan, yeah. right? Because okay, we're we're, pu- we're pushing that that whole, that whole thought process on our pets now. Not only our children, but our of pets. Course. We're choosing. We're pushing that. So you know, for for those uh, Amazon and type stores, I, I think the only way that I could kind of foresee that really being effective is especially in a major city. Like a, a little shop they get isn't going to cut it. They're going to have to have like a mat. We're talking like a store that's going to take like a block or more, and we're gonna. It's going to have to be broken up, not into like different departments, but there's have to be like big, like multiple stores in this big, huge space for it to really effectively serve a lot of people. That's happening, Joe. Think yeah. about it. Who does Amazon own? Whole Foods. Whole Foods, yeah. So that's coming. That's these big, big gro- automated grocery stores yeah. are coming, and I think you hit on something key to make this work. You're going to have to have it broken down into sections. Maybe the dairy section has its own automated section Maybe, with its yeah. own checkout. Maybe yeah. the pol- the produce section has its own. How are we speeding things up this way? Mm. Really? Like, how are we speeding anything up? And, and especially for the whole idea of error yeah. and theft and, and shrinkage, as they call it, with, with theft. Yeah, go ahead. You know what we're going to have to do now inside these places is we're going to have customers. This is going to open up a whole new world of problems because we're going to have to give these people some type of vehicle or some type of segue or a cart to kind of ride around in these stores. And now we're going to start having accidents inside the stores, people crashing into each other, shopping at their automated stores. Oh, yes. And, and of course, what happens when there's a problem? Just like when you dealt with Amazon. Oh, just call the toll free number and yes. deal with one of our representatives and yeah. you can deal with your issue four hours <laughs> later while waiting on hold. Oh, man. Oh, yeah. We totally we totally sped up the whole process. We made life so much easier for yes, you. Absolutely. I would very strongly disagree with that. <laughs> Definitely not the case. Watch what you wish for people. Yeah, it's a scary future. I, I think you had mentioned you now. It's it's inevitability. It's going to happen sooner or later. Well, I just hope that the transition is a little gradual. That's all I'll say. You know what? I, I, okay, fine, inevitable. But at the same time, I don't want to be a total no. doom and gloom person here. At the end of the day, people, you can vote with your dollars. Mm-hmm. You know, you can still support local brick and mortar mom and pop organizations. Like for example, one of our sponsors, Microplay. Microplay. Yes. You know, I I still go to the local Microplay here to buy video games. I try to avoid online purchases and not to say I don't do it all at all. Like there's certain games I have to go online for limited run or whatever. Yep. But at the same time, I, I don't mind spending the few extra bucks to keep the local retailers 
in business. And that all at the end of the day is a choice. These Amazon Go stores are still in their infancy. Mm-hmm. You still have a choice at this point. It's really up to you how much convenience you need in your life. Yeah, as you had mentioned, uh, our friends over at Microplay here in Brantford, I mean, I, I will always go to them because you're dealing with people. I, I mean, the, the manager of the store that I've known, he, he's been there for, for 20 plus years. He's been a gamer as long as I've been. He, he has knowledge. He has expertise. Uh, my game console was purchased from there. I would rather deal with very knowledgeable people that, that, that I am friends with more, more or less than to go buy something from a faceless corporation. To where I mean, they, there's not good, really good customer service there. Uh, trade-in value is terrible on, on used products, and it just it's it's much better. I, I prefer to deal with the local small business. That that's yeah. just when it comes to that stuff. That's just me. I agree, so, and to be honest, the theme I see running with all these so-called <clears throat> pundits who are calling for the overall inevitability of automation and the mm-hmm. end of mom and pops. Well, what do they constantly say? Oh, you don't have to deal with people. You don't have to talk with that annoying person, the cash register. Mm. Gee, sounds like you've got some bigger issues beyond automated retail, buddy. Yeah. Maybe you just, you know, need to be a little nicer to people need to, to enjoy the human condition. Maybe, maybe that's your issue right there. There are times where I would agree with that sentiment. I have been to some places. Yeah, okay, sure. That, that, that literally in our local Walmart, I had no idea what the guy's name is, but I mean, and our listeners won't be able to see this, but I'll, I'll kind of show uh, Mike on camera where essentially this is the, the checkout process. <laughs> like very good, just very carefully each item scanning the price. Like it, it's, it's, it's excruciating. Kind of creepily staring at you too, like wondering yeah. what to say next, what, what he's handing like, over your Let's thoughts. pick up the pace, buddy. I understand you're, you're a human being and you don't want to lose your job, but I mean, you're not helping your case here by doing this, by fight the way. Fight for 15, buddy. Fight yes, for fight, 15. For, fight for 15 bucks an hour. Hashtag fight for 15. Oh, okay. Okay. Well, I'm sure that this is a topic. Disclaimer, I'm not against a, a livable wage. Yeah. Just economically, yeah, make it, it has worth. to be done incrementally. You can't happen to have an overnight because you know what? Bingo. Most of you don't understand what a small business owner goes through yeah. and- Again, not to get off topic, but when you fight for these drastic increases in minimum wage, hmm. something's got to go. Okay, yep. FTE. You got to learn about these concepts and, and covering the costs. Okay, if, if you're not selling, if business is down, you can't just raise wages. No. <laughs> but anyway, so yeah. that's another discussion. Yeah, because we went through that recently here in Canada. But I mean, that's a whole other topic in itself that we hey, we may even get to at some point. The video game awards. Now, this is very kind of gradually over time here, this almost feels like it's almost replacing the E3 uh, show that, that happens uh, on a yearly basis. And this is really becoming the kind of coming out uh, party for a lot of new game releases and whatnot. So there was quite a bit that was shown here, especially one thing that was a very big surprise. Yeah, yeah. I think we, we, we pulled on... There was a lot of information, Joe. So Lots. that was the first thing I had to say. Lots. <laughs> I was initially pretty excited when we were talking about this uh, oh the game awards is coming up tonight i can't wait to get home from the gym and watch this and <laughs> three hours later joe what did yeah. i what did i say to you i described it very succinctly i felt like this was a, a gang bang in my brain like i just <laughs> felt like yeah. i had I, I i couldn't take any more just reveal after reveal ad after ad celebrity endorsement oh my gosh social justice it was just like everything in it and, and unfortunately you were talking about them replacing e3 yeah, yeah. absolutely I, I can see this replacing E3 because E3 be, has to me has become a joke. Yeah. Uh, especially, I, I would say it began with Nintendo, mm-hmm. Nintendo Direct mm-hmm. and then State of Play. Yeah. And, and it also, just the fact that E3 just became such a sellout. Mm-hmm. Um, just, just, it, just too much reliance on music performances, celebrities, um, 
I don't know, just just it just doesn't feel like it used to. And now, whereas this actually, you know, with some uh, with some retooling, this could be a great event. Definitely not three hours. It has to. Yeah. If you got to get all that information out there, make it like a two day event. Make mm-hmm. it like a part one and a part two. Just just give us some time to digest this information. So. Let's let's get into some of the good, the bad, and the ugly. Joe, do you want to start with the the best or the worst? Maybe we'll start with the best. Maybe we'll start off like on okay. a good note here. Yeah, for sure. I, I would think for for me, the big one that was a big positive out of nowhere was a new Xbox console, the Xbox Series X. Um, I gotta say, just visually, just from first glance, as somebody who's been a fan of technology for for years and years now, this thing. I don't know what a lot of people. I know there's a lot of people that are hating on this, but just visually, this thing looks pretty damn cool. No hate from here. I think it yeah, looks awesome. Looks awesome. It looks very modern. It does. It's hard to tell by the pictures to kind of get the size, kind of scope or scale of this thing. But I mean, for lack of a better term, this thing looks sexy as hell. It's just a, it's a monolith. Yeah. It's just a big rectangular black monolith. It, look, it looks very Apple-like. Yep. It's just a simple tower mm-hmm. with a big green cheese grater grill on the top. Yep. And a power button, and we we got a glimpse of the new controller. Um, overall, and, I, and I'm glad that Keeley decided to put this early in the show because yep. I'm telling you, Joe, after about two hours, yeah. I, I kind of started forgetting everything that was happening. So, and also I noticed in like the last hour. We're going to get to that soon. Some of the announcements weren't so great. So I'm glad yeah. that they got this out of the way soon. Yep. Definitely the show stealer. And, and good to see some some finalized uh, details. So we they actually revealed some of the specs so far. So what I really like with the design of it is how this thing is going to be cooled. On the t- uh, on the very top of the machine, we got the the grill, we got the fan, we got the that in the proper place because if for somebody knows anything about physics or anything, you know that heat rises. So that that fan, that cooling gets in the perfect place so that heat can be dissipated out of the system because we know historically Microsoft has had some issues when it comes to cooling these devices down, most notably the Xbox 360. So they're thinking ahead on this thing. I really like the design of it. Yeah, and, and it's also they they made a point to say that this can also be placed horizontally on your entertainment unit. So they've they've yeah. figured out that functionality. The biggest thing for me in that photo, Joe, was the disc drive. Mm-hmm. That was one of the biggest things I was wor- I was wondering about what was going to happen with this generation. Yeah. And they confirm it. We're still going to be using optical disc technology, in addition to cloud-based technology, which we already already know about. And then the controller looks. Fairly, fairly similar, but it does adopt some elements from the Elite controller, including the D-pad, and it also has that new share button mm-hmm. where they took a cue from the, the DualShock 4. So I thought yeah. that was a very smart addition. Yeah, so hardware-wise, very impressive. To, and uh, to be the first one out of the gate um, in this new generation, I think it's going to bode very well for them. Yes, absolutely. Just to, to get into some of the specs they've revealed so far. So they're essentially saying this is going to be four times faster than the Xbox One X. <laughs> That's impressive. It's going to yeah, yeah. It's going to do 4K at 60 frames a second for sure, up to 120 frames a second, wow. up to key. And it'll also support for variable refresh rate, which we've got into. I think that's a key idea as well, for, yeah. especially for people using maybe older TVs. Mm-hmm. As a side note, we, we saw that they had a hemphy, heavy emphasis during the show about the Samsung QLED monitor. I want to give a honorable mention to that, which essentially is being designed specifically for gaming with 120 hertz uh, refresh, no, 144 hertz refresh rate, all the bells and whistles to optimize your PS5 and uh, Series X experience. It's got a solid state drive, and it's got all these other little tricks. It sounds expensive, Joel. Uh, Ryan McCaffrey of IGN, who's their resident uh, Xbox uh, expert over there, is predicting probably a $500 US price tag for this one. 
which <clears throat> essentially gets that in line with the with what the PS3 was at launch with people, yeah. which people were outraged at. Would they be outraged in this day and age? Hard to say, Joe, because people are willing to line up for a thousand dollar iPhone that they're going to replace in two years. Yep. You're buying like a next generation console, which is what going to be, I think, six hundred Canadian plus six tax. or seven hundred. I think yeah. eight hundred bucks. I'd say on the Canadian side. Yep. But like I said, this thing, based on what I'm seeing, is going to be better than a lot of what out, what's out there for PC gaming at a much lower price, under a thousand dollars. So yep. it's pretty awesome. And on top of that, Joe, you you mentioned this before we were airing. We were talking about a possible second console. Yeah, there, there are actually two other ones that they had uh, made mention of. There's one that's going to be a completely digital, diskless version, and then an even smaller, just purely cloud-based one to uh, kind of compete with uh, uh, with Stadia. And I'm sure that that'll be tied into the X Cloud service as well. Right, something that's more akin to like the specs of the Xbox One X, and yeah. like you're saying tying into the cloud to give it that boost to get it up to what the main line series actual console is going to be. So I, I think it's a good strategy. I, of course, in my position, I wouldn't cheap out. You get what you pay for. You might as well just pay for the best product up yep. front, but it's also going to depend on your budget. They are, so, and they are offering some flexibility to, I mean, three different models. Uh, again, that's kind of following the, the Apple uh, business model as well to give people some flexibility and some choice. Yeah. Again, so. a lot of this is unconfirmed, but we already know that there were like a Project Anaconda and a Project mm. something or other. So we know at least two models yep. and most speculations. Yeah, there's going to be a budget cloud enabled version. Correct. Discless yeah. or disc? I don't know. We'll see. But I, I, I yeah. like the fact that the disc is there. I've gone on and on about preservation, about the importance of physical media. And I'm glad they didn't skimp out on that regard. So, too, so yeah. kudos and Xbox. And I'm, I'm going to say, man, Phil Spencer that guy, I'm liking him more and more every day. Like, yeah. what a turnaround from the days of Don Matrick. Like, sure. it, it was funny, too, talking about Ryan McCaffrey, who, who knows Phil Spencer very well. Phil Spencer, and this is going to tie into some of my best reveals, not only from the show, but from the week. I, I want to talk about this not in as a, the Game Awards show, but as a big week of reveals outside of that tied into this. But anyway, talk about how Phil Spencer doesn't look at this as a console war between him and Sony and Nintendo, but rather as three distinct companies offering something unique. Wow, what an awesome concept going forward. That makes me think of the sixth generation, Joe, of what? The PS2, Xbox, and GameCube, which was one of my favorite generations where we had yeah. almost near equal parity among all consoles with each having something unique to offer. Yeah. I think that's amazing. I think we need to see more of an ecosystem. So going from that into my number one reveal of the week, which is actually not game awards related, but we'll get back <laughs> into it. Yep. Just a day or two before the game awards show, we hear that one of Sony PlayStation's biggest exclusives MLB, the show is going multi-platform and yeah. they specifically said, Joe, other consoles they didn't just say pc other consoles that's a big deal man because that's been a franchise that i think a lot of people near the platform has been pretty jealous of um and I'm, i mean there virtually is really no other baseball competition i mean there's the rbi uh, baseball that's kind of like a i won't say a dumbed down version but it's very uh, minuscule in comparison when it comes to reality and uh, graphics it's arcade. And, and what, yeah. yeah it's more of an arcade experience so for somebody that wants the realistic baseball experience yeah it's looking like we're going to get it on uh, all the major platforms yeah, and even like right as soon as the announcement came out from the MLB, uh, Phil Spencer actually went on yeah. Twitter and said, uh, no more away games. So he's basically signaling right there that Xbox has got the license, and even Nintendo retweeted this. So I would 
potentially see maybe a Switch version of the show, maybe not quite up to the PS4, I mean, sorry, PlayStation or Xbox standards, but something a little more dumbed down, maybe with motion controls, but regardless, great to see that other because uh, it, it just makes sense, Joe. I, I think a lot of people are wondering now, okay, so is Sony going to be giving away the farm? Unlikely. I think it was inevitable that something of a behemoth like the MLB had to go multi-platform. I've been scratching my head for years wondering, how does Xbox not have a AAA baseball game? Mm-hmm. Now, are, is Sony going to give up God of War? No, not going to happen. Are they going to give up Last of Us? Probably not. Uncharted? Maybe. Who knows? We'll see. But... The whole thing is that it's not just about titles, Joe. Sony is embracing, just like Phil Spencer saying, Sony is embracing this new multi-platinum ecosphere. And how are we seeing this also in terms of cross-platform play? Yep. They made Fortnite cross-platform, one of the biggest, biggest phenomenons in, in online gaming right now. Yep. What else did they do recently? Oh, um, Rocket League Rocket was League, another yep. one that they held out a long time. Yep. And now the big announcement just this past week, Minecraft yep. is now finally going multi-platform between PC, all devices, Nintendo, Xbox, Huge. and PlayStation. Sony's finally starting to wake up and get in tune with what's happening with the gaming industry. That we don't have to look at it as like this console war anymore. That we can look at it almost like we look at movie studios and record labels. They all have their functions. They all have their stars. They all have their IPs, but they can all work together within an ecosystem. Well, you had made a hint out there, and I wanted to make the suggestion: Are, are we on the brink of you know that exclusivity uh, on consoles possibly going away? You had mentioned Last of Us and Uncharted and whatnot. I mean, those are still games that I'm still jealous of and that I don't get to play on the Xbox platform. So part of me would like to, to kind of see that happen. But at the same day, you know, the exclusives are what really sell these systems. So we might see something kind of riding in between. But like you had mentioned, I think, uh, you know, especially the Uncharted and the Last of Us uh, series, I see them holding on to those as uh, proprietary uh, IPs that they have. I think they have to. Yeah. You know, like I said, like Can't Xbox. give it all away. The thing is, and even look, look at Microsoft's situation. They don't have as many IPs no. as, as Sony has. Like they've got Halo, they got Gears, Forza. Fan, by the way, awesome to see that the Series X is going to be launching with Halo Infinite mm-hmm. and Forza and FIFA. I think that was pretty obvious. But I was saying, I want to see an awesome console launch, and you can't get much better than having Forza, FIFA, and Halo as, as a launch. So we're going to have to see how Sony responds with that. Yep. But. The ultimate promising thing I see with this new cloud future, especially with these these guys trying to compete with Stadia and now even Amazon saying that they're going to be throwing their own streaming service into the mix probably in the next couple of years as well. I could see now we're starting to see where Sony and Microsoft were working together on this cloud technology where we want to see very similar technology and like you're saying – the only difference between these companies is going to be the IPs. Mm-hmm. You're either you're going to go for Halo, or you're going to go for Kratos. It's it, it's it, God of War. It's 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 going to be that. But other than that, you can get similar experiences on whatever platform you play. Yep, and at the same time too, much like in the professional wrestling business, never say never, because. There were another franchise that we didn't kind of mention, Mass Effect. That was very purely, very much so a Microsoft commodity, and now it's available on the PlayStation platform. So that was one that I think that not a lot of people kind of uh, ever kind of expected, and that ended up happening. So yeah, look at Microsoft's indies. Look at Ori in the Blind Forest and Cuphead going over to the Switch. It's slowly happening. So who knows where the future lies? But Regardless, I'm, I'm going to say optimistically, I think the ninth generation of consoles is going to be one of the greatest ever. 
Yeah. Based on what I'm seeing out of the gate, I think we're in for for a, a treat in 2020. It looks very, very promising. Okay, so for my number two uh, big positive was Hellblade 2. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Good one. This, this looked uh, really, really good. And, I, I mean, I was a huge fan of the original, and it came over to the to the Xbox platform. And as far as I know, uh, Ninja Theory, they are a Microsoft Studio uh, uh, developer now. So uh, this looks like it should be an exclusive or at least a, a timed exclusive. I mean, that could possibly change. But this looks just visually impressive as hell. Like, it, this looks really, really good. And, I mean, and the first game was no slouch. <laughs> So you played the original? I played the original, yeah. So did I on yeah. PS4. Man, excellent. That game didn't even seem like it should be running on the PS4. It yeah. was it was gorgeous. Like yeah. I can't. The graphics just blew me away, and, and that's what I expect from Ninja Theory, Joe, because they're the makers of Heavenly Sword, yes. which was probably the first next gen quote unquote PS3 game that came out at that launch that actually made me feel like I was playing a next gen system. And then when they did DMC devil may cry, mm -hmm. one of the most criminally underrated games yeah. of the previous generation, just a gorgeous game, fluid mechanics, but they, they really know their tech and, and I'm all the stuff from Hellblade two was using in game footage. Now somebody made the argument, okay, you're showing cutscenes, but Joe, you've seen the game. <laughs> Yeah. Like those cutscenes are real. I, I yeah. can expect that's what the game looks like. Yep. And also that all the now I'm starting to understand what all the new ray tracing babbles about when you see all the lighting techniques and, and and like it looks like you're you're basically playing a CG cutscene at this point. And and not just the graphics wise, and then even in the first one of this, they actually they actually worked with some people who are experienced and, and have dealt with mental illness because that's largely what the story is kind of based on. This person that, that hears like multiple things, and they even worked with the audio using uh, I think it's bineural or bilateral or something audio where they actually recorded uh, multiple people standing around a microphone pointing in different directions and really kind of captured. So really when you especially if you're playing on a surround sound system, you're seeing your playlist and you're hearing voices coming from different directions and whatnot it really kind of gets you immersed in this very so trippy i'm just i'm expecting more of that from this and uh it looks really really good so um definitely i'm jealous i'm yeah. totally jealous that's a that's a killer it's killer one of my right list there. yeah for sure uh my number two would be again something outside of the show and again this this goes back to something we immediately said if we watch the show joe I, i'll be honest like three hours of information and really what did we get out of it <laughs> Other than yeah. the Xbox reveal and yeah. my number three, there really wasn't a lot that was interesting here. No. I'll, I'll be I'll be dead honest. Like some some cool ideas, like there was a new D and D game, and yeah. they showed some more footage of No More Heroes three, but nothing that really just blew me away. And there was overall lack of Nintendo presence because Nintendo, like I said, is doing their own thing. They had an indie direct earlier this week, and, and that's the thing. Like, Nintendo, for me was really one of the first things that killed E3. Mm -hmm. Basically doing their own message, taking it elsewhere, having completely controlled, edited, and it's been very successful for them. So, like I said, they didn't have much of a presence at this Game Awards show. You saw a little bit of Nintendo here and there. They saved that for their, for their own means. And mm -hmm. so the Indie Direct came up, and I'll say, man, Nintendo... People keep asking, how is Nintendo going to compete with PS5 and, and Series X? They've got it's the games, man. Who cares about technology? They are the Disney of video games. Yeah. You can't touch their stable of IPs. Come on, man. Zelda, Mario, Donkey Kong. And also their embracing of the indies. And I'd say they're more carefully 
curating indies, I think, better than the other platforms. Mm-hmm. So, of course, some of the, the big two reveals that I kind of picked out of there were Axiom Verge 2, Stealth Dropped right at the end. That's yep. a sequel to Axiom Verge, which is like a spiritual successor to Metroid, yep. made by one guy. And it's now the new one. It has kind of like Game Boy Advance style graphics. And then also yep. a sequel to one of the big surprise hits of the year, Golf Story, called Sports Story, mm-hmm. which is essentially... Uh, an old school JRPG yep. where instead of old, instead of combat, you play golf, which I think is awesome. It's it's a great game. I own it, and I, I think it's a lot of fantastic. So I think Nintendo, yeah, some some great stuff on the horizon from their indie direct, and, and I like I, I want to see more of these going forward. Something going along uh, these lines too. It's not on our list or anything, but I still want to make mention of it. We saw a very special person uh, on 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 the stage. Uh, you had mentioned Nintendo, and to deliver the independent game award we saw mr reggie phil's aim kind of talk reggie and say what you will about this guy whether you liked him when he was at nintendo or whatnot just listening to reggie talk on the stage you could just you could feel his passion for gaming coming through and you can't it it just it's an addictive kind of a feeling you hear the guy talking you immediately just you get interested in games he's always been really really good at just kind of drawing you in with just the way that he's able to talk about this stuff so i think he's uh still gonna he's basically kind of pitching himself as almost kind of like an ambassador for gaming and uh i, I think he's well suited to that role and um, I, I still like seeing him around so i thought that was another cool moment there that uh, i give them uh, give them props for for using reggie on that one yeah, you know what? I initially was kind of like annoyed by Reggie, but I, I'm kind of in your camp, Joe. I, yeah. I it's his energy is infectious, his yeah. passion for the art and the craft, and I yeah. just think it's funny how the guy who replaced him is named Bowser. I think that's just hilarious. <laughs> yeah. Okay, so my number three uh, best reveal was kind of one that kind of flew under the radar. I think for a lot of people, it's called Sons of the Forest. And this very much looks almost kind of like a survival horror type of a thing. Very much in the vein of one that was released out recently. It was, a, I believe it was an Xbox exclusive, uh, Blair Witch. They uh, did something very similar. Uh, I played that. This looks like it's a very similar kind of experience. And just um, it looked very kind of intriguing. And, and, uh, and I, I dig the, the kind of scary kind of game vibe, you know, especially since uh, the PT thing uh Happen there. It seems like a lot of games are kind of pulling from that as an influence. So the, yeah, the you whole definitely first feel person here. survival horror, especially Absolutely. Resident Evil Biohazard. I haven't played yeah. it, but apparently did just a fantastic job. Yeah. Uh, there's even rumors and speculation that Kojima's next project, he wants to go back to horror <sighs> to cool. try to whole revive that whole PT idea. Yes. So some interesting stuff there. And that, I think that was the Sons of Forest. That was a sequel to another game that was on Steam called The Forest that actually was a same. surprise hit, had a really good community. So yeah. So definitely, definitely something, definitely something exciting on the horizon there. Yeah, a lot of good indie stuff. Uh, my number three, and, and I'll be honest, um, this one's kind of like, I'm, I'm, I'm on the fence about this one yeah. because initially I was excited to hear that Telltale Games is kind of sort of making a comeback Weird. with Wolf Among Us Two. The Wolf Among Us Two is finally coming back. The canceled game. I love the original Wolf Among Us. Yeah. Um, you know, The Walking Dead Telltale series was amazing. Don't get me wrong. But The Wolf Among Us was just, it just had that degree of cool. And if for any of you who have never played it or read the initial, original graphic novel, whole premise is that the fairy tale characters have been exiled into the Bronx in yep. the 80s. And now the big bad wolf has become the sheriff who has been tasked with keeping the whole order and peace among all the fairy tale characters. Yep. And anyone acts out of line and commits crime gets sent to the farm. <laughs> this is whole murder mystery. Yep. It's awesome. 
That said, it's coming back, but in what form? Yeah. It's not the same Telltale Games because mm. Telltale got picked up by another company, uh, LSP Games, I believe it was, after they went bankrupt. Yep. Because you can, and you go read about this on IGN. There's a, let me see if I can pull up the article real quick. So if you guys want to look it up, uh, it's called. Uh, sorry, I should have this stuff ready. And I think Skybound was, was still uh, kind of involved with it as well. Skybound now owns yeah. the rights to The Walking Dead. So Correct, I'm going to get yeah. into that in a sec. So you yeah. can go to Telltale Game Shutdown Revival Explain on IGN. So what happened was is when they went bankrupt, they had access to all these different properties. They had The Walking Dead license. They had Marvel. Yep. Batman. They had. Yeah, Back to the Future, yeah. they had uh, Jurassic Park, all oh, this right. stuff. So Skybound took the rights to Walking Dead. Marvel got the rights back to all their stuff. Telltale did hang on to the rights to Warner Brothers, which includes Bad DC. Man. And that's why we're getting The Wolf Among Us, which is a DC property. And also they just announced that they're going to be redoing the two seasons of Batman yep. with a new noir look that's and some cool. extra features. My only issue with this is that most of the original creatives are gone and have not to this day been hired back. Mm. And tell the newly acquired Telltale said that we're going to allow some of these people to come back on as freelancers on like a person by person basis. So on one hand, awesome. It'll be great to see them going back to that whole choose your adventure story mode. But is it going to be the same? Is it going to have the same punch? What did, what did you think about the whole Telltale games fiasco? Were you a fan? I like the series. I was a big fan of the Walking Dead series. The Batman one was pretty good, but it wasn't anything kind of. It, it didn't feel like it was quite as um, didn't quite honor the subject uh, uh, matter as good as the Walking Dead one. I, I was definitely a fan of that one. Uh, still kind of playing through the last uh, season of that. Actually, I got to get back into that. That was one of those ones where basically halfway through is when this whole. Um, scenario happened and then the last three episodes of that kind of were essentially kind of up in the air we didn't know if we were going to get them or not and then I guess uh, Skybound was the, the company that kind of stepped in and said okay well we'll honor the people that purchased this and we'll, we'll find a way to finish it and so, they did yeah and they, and they did so with a skeleton crew right and then, yeah. and then the other thing is that in the midst of all this Minecraft that's another one they lost the rights to so they're not yeah. getting that back because Microsoft now owns the rights to Minecraft so yeah. they're not going to be able to do Minecraft story mode again uh, I don't know if they're going to be able to do Game of Thrones again or definitely not Guardians of the Galaxy. That was the problem. They they started off really hot, and then I think they just bit off more than they could chew. Yeah. They were just putting too out many. too much, too fast. And and for me, too many similar properties, too <clears throat> much comic book stuff. Yeah. Whereas there could have been – like I, I, I like the fact that they were going – like they, the fact that they did Back to the Future 4, 5, and 6 – that was awesome. Yeah. That was great. Yeah. You know, like, but then it just, it kind of devolved into, okay, Guardians of the Galaxy and Batman and, and just like, and then when they went to the Borderlands thing, I thought that was just puzzling. I, 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 yeah. I'm personally not a big fan of board, the Borderlands story. I don't find it that funny. And just to see them try to create like a choose your own adventure of the Borderlands universe, that's subjective. If you're, if you're a Borderlands fan, great. But I just found that it was a lot of hit or miss with the, with the IPs they were picking up. So I'm hoping yeah. they'll correct that. And, um, just kind of a, of an aside here too, with the walking dead. So you mentioned how skybound picked up that property. They did actually put out a physical release of every single season of the walking dead, which is now with this whole scenario has been steadily rising up in value. So if you want to, that's never going to be released again. Probably if you want a copy of it, you better, yeah. you better get your hands on it before it gets out of hand. For sure. Okay. Let's get to the worst, Joe. Let's get my first one here. The Facebook Oculus, 
uh, ads that kept popping up during the show. Uh, it felt very invasive. And, you know, typically when these uh, videos are playing during the show, you can kind of hear the crowd reactions. When these ones were happening, it was dead silence from the crowd. It, this, these didn't get much of a reaction. And just that uh, they, they look very generic and nothing special that, that <laughs> draws any interest for me whatsoever. Just it, it was one of those things where they were there filling time and that's really about it yeah and that relates to my number one just too many ads seriously just it just way too much and i get yep. it you got to produce the show somehow you got to get all the money to bring, bring green day over there and, and vin diesel michelle rodriguez oh sorry i don't want to steal steal one of yours here but that was my number one contention point yep. it just felt overproduced i said this yep. over like it, it was too long and the celebrity stuff like yep. why okay we don't have esports gamers and developers going to that the academy too. awards no. why do we have green day and, and stars <laughs> the fast the furious there like it just it just felt an unnecessary waste of time and and then with the ads not only are you like are you doing world premieres for a, a thousand plus different games but then on top of that ads in between especially yeah. ads for the games that are going for game of the year <laughs> yeah it was, it was very odd. This very much felt like, and I'll make another professional wrestling kind of reference here. This felt like a Vince McMahon production. This whole thing, <laughs> just uh, it was, it went too long. It was convoluted, and uh, well, yeah, just to make a little bit of a reference there. Yeah, going yeah. forward, seriously, over a weekend, just yeah. like E3. E3 isn't done in one day. Uh, traditionally, on Sundays you'd have Bethesda, EA. Then on Monday no. you'd have Xbox. Then on Tuesday you'd have PlayStation, and so on and so forth you can spread this stuff out and people still view it. Keep it like an hour, an hour and a half and then have time to just digest the information and come yeah. back to something else. And also on top of that, Joe, really, where was the focus of the awards here? It felt like more like a, just a big ad and with some awards thrown in between. So can't staying on ads. Yeah, sorry, go ahead. Can't, I can't disagree with you on that. Go ahead. Staying <laughs> it's, on ads. It's very true. Yeah. The one that, that, that kind of got under my skin the most was the Google Stadia ad. Yes. And again, I'm not trying to be a big hater. I understand there's a place for Stadia, but man, if I wasn't turned off already, yeah. this ad just didn't help. Completely stunk. <laughs> Unbelievable. Yeah. I get it. They still get to try and push for it. I mean, we've mentioned it a few times on this podcast now. I don't see it uh, being something that's going to have any staying power. They, they may surprise me, but just you look at Google's track record with this kind of stuff and trying out new stuff, and it's, it's not all that promising so it's this arrogance they have it's like it's time to get rid of that console it's time to get rid of every, <laughs> all the stuff and it's like yeah. it's too early man you guys are already having problems even matching parity with the xbox one x yeah. you can't even get red dead redemption 2 to run up to xbox standards nope. you're gonna try to sell me on an all digital future without without discs no sorry yeah. especially at those prices that you guys are charging unreal yeah. yeah in some cases they're more expensive than their console counterparts exactly digital streaming only right. game. give me a break Number two for me was a very kind of odd one. We're looking at uh, a shark eating people game <laughs> called Man Eater. Uh, this just it looked it, it looks very kind of arcadey, and I'm sure that there's probably an audience for this. Maybe as a quick fix type of game, but this was one of these ones that was kind of oddly placed in there as a world premiere, and I was like, okay, was any uh, it just it, it, it I don't know, just it, it's it looks very childish, looks very. Yeah, just it, it didn't fit in with really everything else. We saw a lot of action RPGs and and uh, shooters and that kind of stuff. And then we had a shark eating game. 
yeah, kind of slammed right in the middle there. So on par with the whole meh factor yeah. of a lot of these premieres, meh. a lot of Magic the Gathering stuff. Yeah. You know, okay, League of Legends is getting a campaign now. Yes. This Maneater thing, I, I like that game better when it was called Jaws Unleashed. <laughs> yes. On PS2 and Xbox, yeah. and that's a like almost twenty year old game now. So not yeah. not a quite quite a new concept. And again, just a lot of misfires. I think mm-hmm. a lot of this stuff could have been saved. See, the thing is that that was interesting was that Keeley wants to do this new thing i'm gonna give another honorable mention here to something that's innovative called the game festival where he has a live event after on steam with over a dozen games to demo and this is where you could fit in a lot of these previews and Mm -hmm. these shows without having to kind of compact it into the main show yeah so again keely is trying a lot he's throwing enough shit at the wall to see what sticks (laughs) but it's come on we're five years in the running now I think it's becoming more bloated as we go on whether yeah. and less refined. It's supposed yeah. to get more refined over time, I would say, right? But it doesn't feel that way. Two hours is kind of a, a sweet spot for this kind of stuff. I was yeah. pretty much not, no, no, not just for this type of thing. I think any kind of sit down and watch type of thing, I think two hours is a real kind of a uh, kind of a sweet zone there. And an hour, I think, is too little. Three hours is too much. Two is a nice kind of middle ground or where to you can keep me in there, but anything past that just you run into people's short attention spans so and I, I i wouldn't include myself i can sit down and watch something fairly lengthy uh, me being a wrestling fan but for this kind of stuff i mean you if you drag it up for too long it just it, you have to try and then fill some time and you know with some things that don't actually matter like the green day thing uh, just it's like what are your yeah. next points that we're gonna be getting to oh my god oh. i i don't even have any notes from the last hour and i'm glad because it's like uh just to be reminded yeah. of what actually happened that last hour yeah. we'll, we'll get to you in a sec yeah. i just want to reveal my last yes because i kind of combined my first two into one this is an interesting um, one again it's something i'm on the fence it's not not necessarily one of the worst things about the show but something i'm very on the fence about and i was kind of i told you i got a bit of a shudder when i heard this yeah so they revealed the first PS5 game at the sh- at the show, yep. uh, kind of stealthily. Godfall, yep, being developed by Gearbox. Oh, good. <laughs> and as soon as that, <laughs> oh, good. Yeah. As soon as I heard that, I'm like, oh no, no. no. <laughs> is this gonna come out on PS7? Oh, yeah. Duke this Nukem Godfall forever. These guys have a, a very odd track record. Let's just put it that way. And it was all CG. We have no. They they, they describe yeah. what the game is going to be like, but we we didn't see any indication. But they said it's going to be a third person melee, something a melee looter or something like that. Yeah, co-op. It's going to be Borderlands like, but yep. but third person. And, and you can and kind of like with Hellblade too. You can see that they're trying to jam all this ray tracing stuff into it, where it's almost hyper real lighting. Yeah, it's almost it's almost like vomit-inducing lighting. Like, it, yeah. it looks just almost garish and, yeah. and kind of tacky. Because and, and that's usually what happens with, with near-launch titles, right? They're trying to take all the tricks of the of the console they're working on and yeah. mesh them in to see what, oh, this is what this con- console's capable of. Whereas with Hellblade 2, looks very refined, artistic, and sticking with the original material. I, yeah. I don't know. It, it's too early to talk about Godfall. I hope it's on track to, to meet at least the launch window. But knowing Gearbox's track record... It's almost like a blown reveal. Like it's, it's like I, I've, I heard about it. And I don't even care now. My third one is probably my least favorite one from the, this whole thing here. And you mentioned uh, that this uh, Godfall really kind of pushing for graphics and making it look good and whatnot. We saw a very 
that this was set up as kind of like the the big last kind of really cool reveal for the end. And I remember, <laughs> right? That, that's how they were pitching this whole thing as the show was kind I know, of going. I know. And then Michelle Rodriguez came on the stage. She, she looked very different. I don't know if she's aged very quickly over a short span of time, but she looked very different. And then Vin Diesel walks out. I'm like, okay. Um, like is Vin Diesel an avatar now or something? Like what's going on? And then they had mentioned that this has to do with the, the Fast and Furious franchise. And I just went, oh no. And then they actually showed some footage. Like I don't think it looks, it's not gameplay. This is all like pre-rendered stuff. This looks like PS3 and Xbox 360 kind of graphics. Like early PS3. It didn't look good at all. Like, and have we not learned our lesson when it comes to movie franchise games? Because they, they're notoriously bad. And I, I'm not even sure who's developing this thing. I'm it's something I may have to research, but they could just, it, it looks like we're just, we're, we're going back to leeching off of these movie franchises. And I mean, Fast and the Furious, like they've made what, like 10 of these movies now? Are people even still interested in this? Apparently they still make, they keep, they keep making these movies, <sighs> but just, just what, what a bad way to end the show at least Come bring on, the rock in have you not learned anything from apple <laughs> from microsoft and like these very well-tuned with conferences that are about an hour and a half and then the big and one more yeah. thing moment at the end of the show yeah maybe like with three hours i'm glad you put xbox at the beginning <laughs> xbox actually should have been the end and one more thing at the end of the show yeah. if it was maybe an hour and a half but by like I said, Joe, after by two hours I stopped taking notes. I, I was I was drained, yeah. and at that point, this is when all the yeah. shit announcements started coming out. And what a way to end the show! It's just oh my god, what is this? And if, if you're gonna do a Fast and the Furious fr- uh, the announcement there, bring out the freaking Rock if you can get him. At least Daniel <laughs> generates some interest. I mean, he's been involved in the franchise, so bring in the Rock and at least you know try and make people excited, even if it was a piece of crap or not. Well, well, to be fair, they did bring out The Rock earlier in the show, but via Jumanji to do oh, a, a hype for their new movie and, and their 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 game. Just like another one of those, oh, how many celebrity friends does Jeff Keighley have and how much more <laughs> money can we inject into this show? Thankfully, yeah. at least, you know, Death Stranding didn't win Game of the Year because that, that would have been the nail in the coffin for me. You know, that, that would have been just like, okay, there's there's conflict of interest written all yeah. over this show. Um, speaking of Game of the War, yeah. Game of the Year, um, yeah, what'd you think about that one, Joe? That was a one out of left field. Uh, it's, uh, was it called Seiko or Psycho? Seiko uh, Shadows Dies Twice from yeah. the makers of Dark Souls. Yeah, from, from software. From software, like it, it looked uh, visually very, very kind of cool. But I mean, it's one that I think flew under a lot of people's radar. I mean, it was one that uh, now that I think of it, kind of scrolling through the Xbox Marketplace, so you always kind of see it there, and it's like, eh, okay, you know, I, I played uh, some of their other games. I mean. Uh, I think that their whole approach for, for like just for, for myself, like I tried dark souls and I just, I, I found it like too rage inducing. And the other one that they did for, uh, for PlayStation was their exclusive, uh, uh Bloodborne, Bloodborne. I think that, that I found just, I mean, I, I couldn't even get past the first level and that one actually ended up training it in when I still on the PS4. I just, I, I find that the, their games are just too hard to the point where it's not enjoyable. I think people try to act like these Souls-like games, and definitely, they're phenomenal. I respect sure. the games. I'm terrible at them. Yeah, I, I buy too. them all just because I respect them, and I want to play them from time to time, but I've never finished one of them. I can't. I suck yeah. at them. I'm just going to be full disclosure. But like I said, it reminds me of that old-school era of gaming where you it's it's like die, repeat, learn the pattern. Yep. But I don't think that – like there's a lot of people like us, Joe, that, that can't really get into these games. So I don't see it being this massive phenomenon like the critics try to paint out to be. But, and, I, and I hear from from other from people who've played Sekiro that it's 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 definitely one of the best things from software's ever done, and, and kudos to them. 
but and now it just seems more like we're we're trying to satisfy the critics rather than the consumers, which is what the Academy Awards for me has become. Like, come on, yeah. when was the last Best Picture ever relevant to anybody who buys movie tickets? Seriously, that's it's very just, true. It's just it's just crit it's just satisfying critics year after year after year, and I think maybe that's the danger of what of what Keeley's getting into. It's like, you got to look at what the consumers are saying. I don't know. Maybe I'm wrong. I, I don't know. Maybe a secure is a bigger phenomenon than, a, than I'm thinking it is, but yeah. it's just not my cup of tea. Yeah. I, I don't know. I, I was a little shocked by that one, but again, glad to see that death stranding didn't get game of the year. Cause that would have just killed it for me right there. Considering Keeley is in the game. Yeah. And, but you got to respect it. I know that game, it gets a lot of hit. I mean, you got to respect, I think uh, kind of what they were trying to do there, but um, I, I really, was expecting it to be the control or the outer worlds. Uh, I thought for sure the outer worlds, just given that it was uh, the original fall developers and um, it, it seems to got a really good reception as does control. That's the people do, uh, behind the original max Payne games. You know, so there's definitely a fan base there. Um, I think uh, resident evil and smash brothers were a bit of a reach, but yeah, that um, what ended up winning. It was one that just totally flew under the radar for me. I didn't expect that. Well, another shock. What about crash team racing, getting best racing game of the year? Yeah. You know, that was, yeah. Some interesting choices here, I will say there that. Yeah. Some interesting choices, but it, w- it was also nice to see uh, Devil May Cry 5 get some love there. So, overall, sure. yeah, not a bad show. It too long. Some work, a lot of work. <laughs> just just too long. You know, it needs to be condensed. You either you do a two-hour show just staying alone, or like you said, you, you may break it up into a couple shows. If I may add and one more thing because there was one more thing yeah. that was very – I think that was important about this that people overlooked mm-hmm. – was the Fortnite announcement, mm. okay? And I'm not a Fortnite player. I've tried no. it. I, it's just not my thing. But no. this is kind of signaling where things are, are going, right? This past Saturday, Fortnite had a special live event mm, yes, in yeah. game yep. where they brought in J.J. Abrams to reveal brand new footage of the upcoming Episode Nine Star, Rock, Star Wars movie. Yep. And they were going to, while, while you're in game, you were going to get a like a special... A glider that was exclusive to Star Wars, and they even said specifically like this is like the next thing of programming inside the game world, a yep. new way of, of advertising for games, of yep. tying into properties. What do you think of that? I'm okay with it in this style of game and these free to play games and whatnot. I'm cool with it. I mean, and, and you're targeting the right audience, which I think is good. You're, you're drawing in the right people. Doing it in the big AAA games that we're paying eighty bucks a piece for—that I'm not <laughs> yeah. okay with, you know. Because then you start running into the scenario where you get like racing games and whatnot that have like big banners and you know McDonald's or Snickers or th- you know plaster kind of all over the place. That that kind of uh, product placement, so to speak, is is just not cool in the big AAA games. Uh, even in Death Stranding, they they there were the the shameless plug for Monster Energy drink and stuff like that. That I thought was uh, a little odd. Um, but for the free to play games, I'm, I'm all for it. It's, it's, it's the right platform for it. Yeah. So, so definitely changes coming uh, overall, whether you liked or hated the show, I'd say this is basically the death knell for E3 as we know it. I don't see it being <clears throat> very, I'm not even excited for E3 this year at all because let's face it. Like I, I've gotten sick of a lot of these, like, Oh, Ubi, every time I shudder, I think of Ubisoft's Ubisoft. presentations from yes. year to year. They just, they just make me want to vomit. <laughs> So I'm just glad to see it go away into some new form, but at the same time, I don't want it to become the same kind of monster, just in a different format, right? Aisha Tyler does nothing for you. Oh, stop! 
putting her up there. She's not funny. She's not a gamer. Yeah. Just stop. Let me, before we get to our tech tip of the week here, uh, since we're speaking of E3, um, I got to think that we're, we're getting close to something here. Is this the time that we hear what's up next for Rockstar Games? Oh, we're starting to hear some chatter about that. I'm hearing a lot more about the next Grand Theft Auto in the rumor mills and in the headlines. So, yeah. so something, something's up. It's been long enough. I, I think it's time to hear an announcement as to where Grand Theft Auto 6 is going to go. Yep. Let's, let's just for fun, Joe, what do, you, what do you think? What are your predictions for the, for the setting of Grand Theft Auto 6? My favorite setting for Grand Theft Auto is still, and I, I've been expecting a remake or a remaster of this for a long time, and they haven't satisfied the, for me. I'm talking about Grand Theft Auto Vice City. If you're not mm-hmm. going to redo Vice City or remaster it, Bring us back to the 80s franchise. I mean, you have so much to pull from there in culture and music and atmosphere. They really nailed it with that, with that original Vice City game. And I think if they could bring that into the modern day or in, in the new consoles, I think you could really have something cool there. There's really a big audience like that, like myself, that like that 80s atmosphere. You know, if you're a Miami Vice fan or if you like 80s music and you like that whole atmosphere, there's a, there's a reason why that that's still a very, very popular game. So the idea of having it in a different time period too, huh? So not necessarily having it in present day. And I'm also hearing that in the rumor mills now that this could take place in different time periods too, right? To kind of tie together the Grand Theft Auto world potentially. So you have a little bit of Vice City, maybe hop into Liberty City a little bit with Nico Bellic and Grand Theft Auto 4. (laughs) You know, maybe go back to, I wouldn't see this happening, London 1969. But who knows, right? But at the same time, Rockstar likes to be current topical kind of like south park very satirical too so when you look at the modern political landscape it wouldn't surprise me to see something like grand theft auto dallas Hmm. like something closer to the border perhaps you know and all that kind of stuff uh, with with the cartels and the illegal immigration who knows right but the important thing is is that when they when you when when you start to hear the rumor rumor running like this this hard an announcement is is definitely along the way and it could just be something completely out of left field, a brand whole brand new IP. That, that's something too. Or you know, could they revisit the Bully franchise? I mean, they have a fair uh, they have a fair amount of uh, franchises. Ellie Noir could be another one. Maybe we could uh, they could follow up to something like that. I mean, that was one of those ones that was extremely popular that kind of flew into the rear at the beginning, but it ended up being one of the bigger games of uh, of that generation. For at least for I the, I know, love the PS3 to see them side. revisit Bully and just get into a whole mess of controversy, which is what they're <laughs> known for. Yep. It, it would be just beautiful to see people get triggered at that one. I think regardless of what they do decide to do, we, we know that it's, it's going to be good and they're going to take their time to, to make it something uh, pretty special. Yeah, I don't think we'll be see, like if we do see any Grand Theft Auto, I, I don't think we'll be seeing anything till probably, I'd say 2022, maybe. Yep. Yep. At the very conservative, we're not seeing anything even remotely close to launch at this point yet. No, I would say 2021 at the earliest, if they've already yeah. been working on this and they've been staying very silent. Right. Okay, so before we get to our final bite segment for this week, let's do our tech tip of uh, the week here. And this is an interesting one, I think it, uh, that applies to the majority of people out there because I would say that, what, I'd say close to 100% of people carry smartphones around now? Pretty much. And we're talking about... Screen protectors and cases. Um, what's your What's your take on uh, on putting these on these uh, exceedingly nice and kind of good looking devices that we carry around now? So here, here's the thing, Joe. I, I uh, the first thing I buy when I get a new phone is a case <laughs> yeah. because I'm pretty clumsy. Okay, I I, <laughs> I usually drop my phone and well, okay, I, I get it. Like 
the, these phones are designed pretty nicely. They're fairly sleek, and, and sometimes people don't want to put a case over top of it to hide the architecture. Mm-hmm. But then what's the next thing you hear them saying? Oh, my gosh, I dropped it, and I cracked <laughs> the screen. So yeah. it just boggles my mind, uh, from my view, that anybody wouldn't buy a case. But what's the... Why would somebody not buy a case? Like, like, do, do you buy a case for your phone? Uh, I am definitely a, a case person. Uh, when it comes to screen protectors, we'll get to that. But for okay. for, for cases, I think uh, I'm definitely. I kind of ride somewhere in between. I when I'm at home, I usually have my phone out of its case. And oh, interesting. It, and then when I go out, then I put my case on. Uh, what I like ab- about doing that is I can actually, because what can kind of happen with some of these cases, now there are some exceptions like the OtterBox, they do a really good job of sealing the device in there. With some of these first party, especially cases, what can kind of happen, just the, the way that they're designed, is you can occasionally get a little bit of dirt or some dust kind of trapped in between the device and the uh, and the case. So that just gives me a chance to kind of clean it and make sure that nothing's getting in there because scratches and whatnot can happen. Yeah, absolutely. Um that that's the kind of issue I'm running into. I usually buy a clear case so yep. that I can still see what the cell phone looks like inside. But yep. then of course, you know, the dirt and the desk is trapped inside and it looks kind of, kind of gross after, uh, I am actually rocking the otter box as well. Nice. I think it's fantastic. Great shock absorption. It's a definitely necessity. It, it's, it just boggles my mind that people don't put cases <laughs> on their phones. I get yep. it. It looks, it's a nice looking phone, but at some point it's going to slip. And, and when you're, what you're paying for these phones now, is it really worth it? For sure. Now, Let's get the screen protectors though. Like you mentioned something really good. Okay. Mm-hmm. There's a, there's a, but there screen protectors. I've always been really on the fence about, um, there are different types of screen protectors. There's the kind that you can put on yourself, which, uh, kind of reminds me of people doing like self tint jobs in their vehicle. Um, and they can look kind of really bad and you can get like <laughs> bubbles and stuff like that. Um, and what, what can kind of happen with these ones, especially if you go too cheap, like if you're buying, don't buy your screen protector from the dollar store or anything like that, because <laughs> yeah. Like we always say, you get what you pay for. And when it comes to these kind of screen protectors, what can notoriously happen is you get dirt trapped between that protector and the screen, and then it acts like sandpaper, especially if you're going to put it in your pocket and it's going to rub. You're going to grind the hell, and you're going to scratch the shit out of your screen. So screen protectors, if you're going to get one, I know that a lot of people are on the fence about this too, but if you're really, really set on a screen protector, I recommend the liquid screen protector. And this is something you can go to like Staples or some of these places and they'll actually apply it like that. And it's basically, it's an invisible, you don't even see it after it's, it's on there. And it just provides that, that protection without having, because it, I've used some of these screen protectors that you have physically put on and they're fairly thick and whatnot. It just, it feels even kind of weird when you're just using your device. And like I said, I I don't like the issue of it bubbling up or lifting up and then dirt getting trapped in between. So I'm a proponent of the, the liquid screen protector if you want to go that route. Otherwise I don't like them. But if you are a DIY person, what I hear is that you want to opt for tempered glass over plastic if possible. Yeah. And when you actually do go to apply it, you want to be in as dust free an environment as possible. So I did watch this one video and yeah. they were saying that you sh- te- the, one of the best places to go into is your bathroom, have a hot shower running for a few minutes before you go in. Cause what happens is that when the, the your glass starts to fog up, the steam gets into the room, it starts yep. to drop the dust to the ground. Yep. And then next step with what you're talking about with air bubbles and dust particles, you want to take like a good spray, make sure you spray down your screen, wipe it down with like a microfiber cloth. Mm-hmm. 
and then try to line up, say, the camera hole on the plastic and, and, and apply it that way. You you probably will get some air bubbles on first application, but those can be just easily, you know, you can run your thumb and get rid of those. But yeah. like I said, you want to try to be in, in as dust-free of an area. And I didn't know about that, actually, just about the fact that going to your bathroom, run some steam, lowers the dust, and that's yeah. the ideal environment to do that yourself if you don't want to go to Staples and get that liquid protector you're talking about. Yep, because what can happen with those soft ones is that you can get, like I said, dirt and you get some hair um, trapped in there, and it's really easy to. So, yeah, I didn't think of the uh, the bathroom trick. That, that's actually a, a good one. Yeah. And for, for those of you who don't want either maybe don't want a screen protector because not everybody uses them. I don't. Um, you also want to make sure that your case has a lip. Yeah. on the front so that if it does fall on its face that the lip will take like the little edge that goes over the edge yeah. that'll absorb most of the shock and it won't hit your screen there, there's definitely ways you can protect yourself mm -hmm. but yeah i'd say overall OtterBox is is pretty awesome and uh, that's the one i would recommend yeah and i uh, definitely like that that tip of uh the, the case i'm a lip because uh another little thing too for people that and this might sound counterintuitive but it actually is the case when it comes to dropping one of these devices the best way i'll use my ipad here as kind of a re visual reference for mike here the best way is to actually drop it face down perfectly flat uh you're probably least likely to get a break then the worst way to drop a device is to drop it on its edge like this because then it creates a shock and then will crack all the way up your screen, especially if it's not in a case. Um, if you are somebody who tends to drop your phone a lot, it's really, really hard to not recommend the OtterBox, especially for somebody like, who's clumsy or drops their shit a lot, or if you work in construction or something like that. An OtterBox really is a no-brainer. If you're just a regular uh, user of your device uh, on the Apple side, I say you're pretty good with any of the first-party Apple uh, things. You can usually get them kind of included when you buy your device. They'll give you a bit of a discount. Um, and then on the other side, just a, a good quality one, like I said, that gives it a little bit of a lip there so that you have a buffer between the screen and the edge of the case. And make sure it has some grip on it too. Yes, Absolutely. that's a good thing because some of these uh, newer devices, especially some of the newer iPhones, the Samsungs, they're they're pretty uh, almost kind of get kind of slimy almost with, with the, the glass on both sides now. So they can be a little slippery and you can lose your grip on them. Mm -hmm. All right, man. So let's take a break here. I'm going to come back with an interesting one. Uh, this is a device that has come out recently and has really been the talk of the technology uh, world, even just since we did our last episode here. So we're going to take a brief break and we're going to actually go to the Apple store and we're going to see how much it costs to buy a fully specced out Mac Pro. So we'll we're literally going to go to the website and yes. go. There's a, you can go step by step, yep. add items to your cart and see how much the most tricked out, yes. maxed out Mac Pro is going to be and, and hold on to your seats. This is going to be a, quite the ride. It's quite the ride. So we'll be right back, guys. This week's episode is brought to you by Microplay in Brand Frontier, Canada, located at 265 King George Road. Visit Chris and the gang for all of your video game All right, guys, Big Joe and Mike back here on HTM Tech. All right, final bite segment. And like we mentioned, this is an interesting one because since our last show here, um, Apple has announced their Mac Pro, which is their pro-level desktop uh, system and whatnot. So we're going to go to the Apple Store here, and we're going to see what we can do, and we're gonna, we'll, we'll kind of give you the specs for whatnot and the cost involved to get the highest-end Mac Pro that we can get here. So let's start with processor. <clears throat> if we want to go to the top, 
the choice would be a 2.5 gigahertz 28 core that's right you heard me right a 28 core xenon processor you can turbo boost up to 4.4 gigahertz tack on an additional eight thousand four hundred dollars so already we're up to almost sixteen thousand dollars Yes. So yeah, let's let's do like let's do like a kind of a, a rundown like yep. as, as we add items to our cart here. So we yep. started with like the seventy four hundred dollar base Mac Pro. Yep. What you just said, we added another eight thousand. So we're up to fifteen thousand eight ninety nine US yep. right now, just off the first choice alone. Yes. That's US. Okay. So now let's add some RAM, some uh, some memory to the system. <laughs> if we go all the way to the top, this is a number that seriously, Mike, I had to kind of double check to make sure this was an actual thing, and it is. Uh, the base model starts at 32 gigabytes, 32 gigabytes of DDR4 RAM, which is the top of the line up there. You can go all the way up to 1.5 terabytes of DDR4 RAM. This is something I, I didn't even realize was even, you could go this high, but the price, tack on another $30,000. <laughs> We're up to 45900 now. Okay. So now let's, we got to add some graphics. Cards. we got to add some graphics cards. Let's put in two top of the line ATI Radeon Pro Vega 2 Duos with 32 gigabytes of RAM built into each one of these. Tack on. Two times 32 gigs. Two times 32. Let's tack on another 13,000. <laughs> and it says coming soon. Two Radeon Pro yep. W5700X with 16 gigs of GDGR6 memory each. So this isn't even yep. this. Like I said, this this may seem crazy now. Yeah. This is going to be obsolete soon. Yeah. So so for those following on playing the home game version at home, we're up to fifty eight thousand eight hundred fifty nine dollars. So got to have a hard drive. Almost or, the price. That we're almost getting to the price of constructing a Death Star and with the, yeah. the machinery that can basically make it. Exactly. So. We gotta have some storage. We gotta have a hard drive. But in this case, it's all solid state memory. The base line starts out at 256 gigabytes. Well, let's go all the way up to four terabytes. Tack on an additional one thousand six hundred and eighty dollars. Bring us to sixty thousand five hundred thirty-nine US. Coming soon. Eight terabytes of solid state storage. <laughs> now, if the the two high-end graphics cards aren't enough for you, let's tack on Apple's proprietary Afterburner card. Another twenty-four hundred dollars. So we're now up to $62,939. Now, <laughs> if you don't want to have just this thing stationary, if you want to move it around and you want to get some wheels for this sucker, <laughs> tack on $480 for four wheels. Otherwise, it just comes with those cool little feet. But, you know, <laughs> you might want to hop on that thing and take a ride. Yeah. Why not? Now. Like 480 US, no problem. If you want more than just the regular uh, keyboard and mouse, which it comes with, which are already fantastic. I mean, I have the, the regular Mac uh, keyboard and the regular Mac Magic mouse. They're, they're fantastic. But if that isn't enough for you, if you really want to get up into high territory, you can you get. just need that numeric keypad on the side. <laughs> you get, it's, it's much longer. And you also get the, the Magic mouse, too. And you also get the, the Magic trackpad. Tack on another $179. We're up to 63598 yes. now. Now, if you don't already own these two pieces of software and you're somebody who still needs to buy these, tack on Final Cut Pro to the tune of 400 bucks and Logic Pro X to the tune of $280. And we are up for a fully specced out Mac Pro with all the best that you can get 
$64,277.98. But wait, there's more. <laughs> because how many times have you been in that scenario where you get your new hardware and then, oh, got to go back to Staples and get a few extra accessories and mm. cables. Let's go through some of those. Let, let's just go balls to the wall here, Joe. Let's add the accessories. Oh, okay. wait a minute. We haven't added a screen yet, have we? Oh, oh yes, the screen. Here we go. Yes, the screen. Ed, this, this is going to be fun. You know, you know what's crazy about this? And I have to find this here, unless you're already at that. But I want to get to the same point here. Um, because, yeah, uh, this actually doesn't come with a monitor, believe it or not. Um, the, the choice of this is the Pro Display XDR. Now, now to be fair, before we get into this, the, this display, I mean, for lack of a term, this is fucking sick hardware, okay? Like, it, 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 it is very, very impressive. <clears throat> if you want to get the standard 32 inch Retina display again uh, for those who may aren't aware of what retina is um different companies use uh, different terminology but this is basically from a regular viewing distance away you can't determine pixels on the screen essentially that's what the the retina uh term means there so 32 inch retina 6k the standard glossy version six thousand two hundred ninety nine dollars if you want the the uh, the the textured kind of uh, matte finish screen seven thousand four hundred ninety nine dollars now, the crazy part of this, this doesn't come with a stand. This is just the screen. <laughs> Guess how much for just the stand? $1,000. More, $1,299. Oh, yes, the pro stand, yes. 12, for the pro, okay, so, yeah. That, wow. Yeah. <clears throat> and then, let's say you want to, you know, you want to tack that thing under your wall. Yeah. You could add the VESA mount adapter for another 250 us so let's add that where are we at now Seventy three thousand three hundred twenty four dollars and 98 cents oh don't worry we're gonna be doing the canadian conversion after this trust me oh let's add that to the bag <laughs> so when it comes to this though one thing that i have been seeing a lot about this or is quite a bit of hate just from from fans and people kind of in general oh this is apple cash grabbing and it's it's them being really greedy or and whatnot this particular device here, Mike, this is not tailored. This is not intended for the general consumer out there. This is for the high-end professional who has the money to spend on this kind of stuff. And they'll likely won't be just buying like one of these. Like if ILM or some of these movie studios and whatnot, they're going to be buying multiples of these and rack mounting them and using them for high-end production and needs and whatnot. So this is something that... It's for me. It's not a fair statement to say that th this is Apple kind of uh, being douchey or whatnot. To, for me, that this is for the first time actually in quite a while where Apple has put out a device where they just said, "Let's just go balls to the wall and let's show everybody what we can really make here." Because when it came to Apple when Steve Jobs was around, it was very much kind of a conservative approach, and it was a very business-wise uh, approach because. There is such a thing as making something too good to where then you can't really follow it up with anything. He would give you kind of just enough to kind of get you kind of hooked into that next thing, but save enough for the next product. So you have to kind of incrementally kind of do with this. They're going completely the opposite approach. They're just going, let's just blow everybody out of the water with this thing. Yeah, un unmatched. And, and, and to be fair, I mean, it does give us a glimpse into what's going to be available to us on a consumer level, probably I'd say in the next maybe five to 10 years when all this technology starts to drop in price and yeah. become more readily available. Uh, yeah, this is, this is insane right now, but like, you got to remember who is this intended for? 
basically if you're working at Pixar or yes. working on the next Toy Story or something like that, the next Star Wars movie, this is going to be your cup of tea. The, the yeah. average person, you don't really need this much power at this point for, for your <laughs> at-home applications or your home videos. Yep. Now, something with this too, and I've been seeing uh, quite a bit on this as well. When you go onto, onto YouTube, there are the, the two main people who did unboxing for this was uh, Marquez Brownlee, uh, MK, M, M, MBKHD as he's known by, uh, to a lot of people, and um, uh, what's her name? Uh, I, Justine. Uh, they were two people that did uh, some uh, unboxings for this. Hers especially, like she got like everything like doubled. She got uh, the, the, the regular Mac Pro, she got two of the displays, two of the stands, and, uh, you know, all of the keyboards and all that kind of stuff. Um, but to be fair with this, something to keep in mind, they didn't actually buy these. These are actually loaner uh, review um, models for from Apple to these people. They, they get to use them for a few weeks or a month or so, and then these actually have to be sent back. Now, will either of them possibly buy one? Maybe. Um, Marquez, I think, already has a pretty good setup where he's at. Uh, Justine seems to have unlimited amounts of money, so she, she buys like every new kind of Apple device that comes out, so she will likely probably get at least one of these things. But yeah, Joe, that's... 73,000 US. <laughs> that's almost 100,000 Canadian. Yeah. Joe. And that's without even adding Apple Care. Yeah. That's without adding your Thunderbolt cables. Yep. There's extra little there's a $3,000 Pegasus R4i 32 terabyte RAID MPX module kit that's going to yep. basically give you more higher resolution video for your Final Cut projects. ProRes stuff, yeah. Yep. Oh man, this is this is this is this is something else, but again, just the possibilities are, are just ridiculous and especially the what, what this entails for the film and video industry and mm-hmm. for movies going forward what what kind of new yeah. reality like hyper realities they'll be able to create with these machines price wise i mean you look at there's some places in canada where i mean this is almost the cost of of a home <laughs> forget a computer like seven almost eighty thousand dollars i mean uh, in, in some places uh, where the cost of living is a little bit lower i mean on the East Coast or something, you might be able to almost buy a home for this price, or you know, at least a, a good portion of it. So, and you could probably you can buy a really high end vehicle uh, for for this price. So, it, it really is getting up into into really really high territory when it comes to this. But I mean, the the, the tech junkie and me it looked at this thing and, and just you cannot be impressed. I mean, just uh, forget the specs, like even just the look of it. I mean, it's, it's, it's design. I mean, somebody like guys that worked on this, I mean, kudos to them. I mean, the, the, just the design, uh, how to take the, the top of it off, everything's easily accessible. The cooling is done, uh, uh, properly. It just, it, it's, it's really impressive hardware. Yeah. It's all beautifully modular inside, easy oh, yeah. to clean, easy to service. Just, yeah. just, it, Every everything from from top to bottom is just beautiful. This even down to the, the keyboard or the or the, uh, the AirPods Pro are, are beautiful. It's just it's 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 a gorgeous machine, mm-hmm. but unfortunately not a reality for for most of us at this at this point in time. Now it is uh, this thing isn't kind of without its controversy. And the biggest thing that I'm seeing, and I'm actually holding the controversial thing right in my hand here. Uh, this is uh, actually from that came in the box that uh, I got my iMac in. This is uh, to clean the screen. Now this is also what comes with the the, the Pro XDR display and. Apple claims that to clean the screen, this is all that you can use. If you, they literally say, if you use anything but this and cause damage to your screen, basically we're not going to really do much for you. So you got to clean with this uh, microfiber cloth, and if you don't use that, then you might run into some problems. You might scratch the screen. You might cause some damage. 
And how much is that microfiber cloth to replace, like $300 US? Nothing. This doesn't cost <laughs> anything. You actually can't call Apple and buy one of these. This is something that's included when you when you get your, your device. And you just you can't just go and get one of these. So, Joel, it's it's not only the base price, it's the service. It's it's kind of like just buying an exotic yeah. car or a yeah. high-end car. It's, yeah. it's it's not only the front-end cost. And that's it's the thing the I didn't even... down the road, the insurance, everything. It's just <coughs> it's an ongoing yeah. cost. Yeah. And another thing that I forgot, an additional cost for this thing, if you want to get Apple Care for this, which, I mean, yes. when, when you when you get this, I mean, it's really hard not to recommend it. I have Apple Care on the computer that I run. For the To get full Apple Care for this Mac Pro, it's 200 bucks. And I mean, if you're if you're eighty thousand dollars balls deep into this thing already, you might as well spend an extra two hundred bucks and get Apple Care because if anything happens to this stuff, you want to be covered. I mean, and, and when you look at the the cost of that, two hundred bucks is nothing when it comes to this. Is basically insurance for this thing. That's a no brainer, absolutely. So, so yeah, again, I mean, this uh, for those of you who uh, really like technology. I mean, just go to Apple. Um, Go to apple.c or apple.com if you're in the States or in other places around the world. Look up this Mac Pro and just uh, enjoy because, I mean, this is just thing. It's just a, it's a marvel of desktop computing. What do you think about <laughs> the fact the screen doesn't come with its own stand? That's that's the part that pisses me off the most about this. That's Okay, I, I get yeah. it. I applaud Apple on design, yeah. on technology. That's been the real come sticking point. Come on, place. a $1,200 stand sold separately. Yeah. That's been a real sticking point with this thing. And um, when you look at the actual design of it, it, it kind of makes sense, but it should have been bundled together. Because what this is, is that XDR display, um, the way it mounts to that stand, it's actually on the very back of the screen, if you look at this thing, it's kind of, it's, it's a, a concave kind of, um, it's it's sunk in there and it's surrounded, I guess it must be some really strong rare earth magnets as well as on the stand and it, it, it just attaches magnetically. And then you can move up and down like this and then oh like this so you can kind of position the screen however which way you want i just don't think that it doesn't pivot um horizontally but uh vertically you can kind of position it wherever you want but yeah a thousand bucks essentially what you're saying is that the blood of some third world mining (laughs) slaves went into the cost of these rare minerals to buy (laughs) these devices yeah it's been a real sticking point with this thing that uh, a lot of people are hating for it but uh, again when it comes to this i mean it it, for the intended audience of what i mean this is just chunk change for them right so it's not like you're the average Joe, uh, for lack of a better term here, is going out and buying this thing. Because, I mean, as cool as it is for me to kind of sit here and stare at this thing and go, wow, and whatnot, it's just, it's not even realistic for regular people like us. Unless you start selling blood and lots <laughs> of it, Joe. So get ready. Oh, man. All right. So I guess that about wraps up for this week. I mean, barring any kind of uh, breaking news that I might uh, kind of come across here, but I mean, there's been quite a bit going on um, in gaming wise and whatnot. And in this coming up year, especially when we start getting into holiday season 2020, we're going to have a lot to talk about when it comes to the gaming front. Yep. And I thought I'd just uh, add one quick thing as an addendum to what we were talking about yep. the previous episode with YouTube censorship. So some breaking updates on, on that situation. This is on December 11th, just real quick, on BBC News. YouTube bans malicious insults and veiled threats. Wow. So they're going, they're doubling down, Joe. They're, yeah. they're, they're going further down. This all arises out of a situation I spoke about previously on London Rising between Carlos Massa, Vox, and Steven Crowder. Steven Crowder was making some jabs at him, calling him like, a, I think like a gay leprechaun or something like that <laughs> or whatever, and said it was all in good funds. Massa took that as hate speech and as bullying and as threats against him. So now... Essentially, YouTube has incorporated this into their policy. So basically, if you make fun of somebody on YouTube now, yep. you could get demonetized and or banned. So 
Yeah, yeah, that's that's this this the future. I I love YouTube. It's yeah. just sad to see it going down like this. On a more positive note, um, since we since these video game awards did come up, it kind of substituted a, a topic that we're going to talk about, and that was uh, you know holiday uh, buying and whatnot. I think the only thing that I'll kind of recommend uh, for my uh, side of things here, me being uh, an Xbox gamer, if you're looking to buy a gift for the Xbox gamer in your family, uh, for me the clear choice is a Xbox Live membership for one year because you get to fully play your games online and multiplayer, and you get every single month you get two. Xbox One games and two Xbox 360 games. So multiply that by 12, you get a lot of games, and it's a pretty good deal. And sometimes those ones that come out are actually pretty good. This uh, month, I think we get Jurassic World, which is actually a fairly uh, expensive game. Usually you get about 100 or so dollars worth of games every month uh, as part of that membership. So it's a pretty good deal. I would say I would like to say something similar for PlayStation. idea <clears throat> of PlayStation Plus, you get yep. the two free games every month, but... I don't know. There, there's a sign that that uh, might not be running much longer with the way PlayStation Now is is unfolding. So we'll see what the history of like Xbox Live Gold games for games with gold and PlayStation Plus. I'd say those those days are numbered. I'd say enjoy mm. those free games while they last because <laughs> I think that's going to be transitioning over more into uh, the cloud services going forward into 2020. What about on the PlayStation side? What do you think would make a good uh, gift for the PlayStation gamer out there, or maybe the uh, for the Nintendo Switch? I'd say for Nintendo right now, the you know if you're shopping for your kids, you definitely don't want to be confused because obviously there's the Switch <laughs> and there's the Switch Lite now. Yes, yep. The Switch Lite, you know, I, I'm hoping not being too obvious here, but it's not dockable. It's strictly just a handheld device. And I know Nintendo's had some issues in the past with with branding and names and people like, for example, in the Wii U era, people were buying Wiis thinking they were Wii U's. So yep. you know, just buyer beware. It's it's a it's a great gift i'm sure there's gonna be some great bundles with the playstation if, if you're just kind of launching into it right now you're 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 pretty well off with just a slim ps4 i i'd say the ps4 pro yeah. is still overpriced yeah i would agree Con considering you have the ps5 coming out in less than a year that's backwards compatible <clears throat> it's outrageous what they're still charging for ps4 pro i'm surprised they didn't drop that so i'd say a nice slim ps4 to at least play some good games to get you ready for next generation is probably not a bad idea Cool. And you can get some really great bundles right now, too. Absolutely. All right. Well, before we do go for this week here, Mike, it's your pick this week for our, our music uh, to end off the show here. All right. I want to go a little bit metal this year, a little yes. old school. We're going to go with some Black Sabbath off of their 1975 album, Sabotage. This is going to be Symptom of the Universe. Something that, I, a song I discovered later in life, actually, um, I didn't realize that this was considered by many to be the beginning of thrash music. So this was a major influence on bands like Metallica, Anthrax, Megadeth. In the 80s, this is kind of where that whole sound started. Very heavy, very angry sound, kind of reflective of the legal troubles that Black Sabbath was going through at the time where they were being sued by their former manager. They wanted to get out of their contracts. They literally had lawyers inside the studios on the phone. And this, apparently, this album, according to Ozzy Osbourne, felt like it took 4,000 years to make. But the results are great. Love this track. And uh, great way to end the show. Absolutely. All right. Well, we'll see you guys on the next one. Peace, guys. Peace, guys.